Hey Mind Gamers, welcome back. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I just wanted to shine some light on the HA Recovery ebook I created to help women like yourself recover from hypothalamic amenorrhea and eating disorders. It is filled with practical exercises and journal prompts to help you dig deep into your emotions, discover your fears, find your motivations and your strength. It is also used to identify thoughts and behaviors, both rational and irrational, and allow you to work through them and find freedom. As a recovered bulimic, chronic dieter, over-exerciser, and having had HA for six years, I not only understand the mindset of someone with HA, but I've lived it. Every emotion I felt, every lesson I learned, every anxiety, every fear and tear I shed has fueled the creation of the HA Recovery eBook. It is now available for purchase online for $25 USD, or if you feel like saving and healing your mindset, you can use the discount code I'm ready to receive 25% off. I have left links in the description. Now for today's guest. Everyone, welcome back to the It's a Mind Game podcast. My name is Jade and today I'm stoked to be in introducing you to Anina, who is a 31-year-old acupuncturist living in Texas, married to the love of her life. Anina is passionate about health and spirituality and has completed her certifications in vertic astrology, yoga, and many styles of acupuncture and bodywork. Recently, Anina had her first period and is here to share her journey of HA and the continuing journey to heal in order to start her own family. Anina loves traditional ways of living and is your typical crunchy hippie kind of gal. Welcome. Thank you. It's so amazing to be here on the other side of this whole thing. It's been surreal, the whole process of listening to the podcast and kind of imagining myself in a healed position and now being here. So thank you for having me. Uh, and, you know, we were just talking about it before we jumped on. And it's the coolest thing because Anina was actually one of the first women to reach out when the podcast sort of got up and running. And I just remember being like, oh, it's so lovely to hear from someone. And then we've kept contact over time through DMs on Instagram and things. But it's the first time actually being face to face and having a proper chat. So it's just really cool that you're here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. No, I'm so excited. Now, let's dive into the juicy stuff. Um, obviously, you've had your HA journey. You've had the first period, which is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to dive into, I guess, where it all began? Yeah. So I'm 31 years old right now, but I developed my eating disorder when I was 21 years old. And um, my story, like the whole de- de- development of my eating disorder was kind of like surprising to me. I guess when it happened, um, I had a series of very traumatic experiences in college, um, like over the course of about six months that, that really just, um, depleted me of my self-esteem and my self-worth. And I kind of developed this eating disorder as a coping mechanism to deal and numb myself and to distract myself from the pain and the shame and just that feeling of not being good enough. Um, and it was like a victorious like you know when I when I developed my eating disorder I was actually like really proud of myself for being able to lose weight because you know when I grew up I was always just a heavier set person I was never totally overweight or anything but I was just always a bigger boned kind of girl and I kind of accepted that I was when I was younger like I'm just heavier and there's I had kind of like dabbled every now and then in the thought of maybe I could exercise or like not eat as much but I've never actually been able to make myself smaller. I just, I kind of accepted my body as it was. And 
and looking back, it was like, I wish I could have just maintained that perspective. And you know, it's like, it's so easy to look back on your life and say, wow, I had such a healthy relationship with food for like the first 20 years of my life, you know, mm-hmm. although I did, you know, maybe not have, you know, the best, um, like upbringing around food. Um, and my, you know, I come from a family where actually many of my family members actually have eating disorders and problems with body image as well. So I'm like, it's kind of not, I'm not the only one, but yeah. So it was when I was 21 and I should say that I had developed uh, or not developed. Um, I had become vegan when I was 17 years old, but I had done that, um, out of a desire to just do the right thing and for the animals and for the environment. That was kind of my um, motivation at the time. And, you know, when that happened, I actually got a lot of praise from the adults and people in my environment, like saying like, oh, that's so amazing. Like you're able to do this. So I had this kind of like identity of like, yeah, I'm so amazing. I can say, I can restrict this cheese and pizza and I can say no, which had been a big thing at the time I was like, cause I had always just been like, oh, I just eat whatever. And then when I decided to become a vegan, I was like, yes, I can do this thing. And it was a huge part of my identity. And I felt really proud of it, but it had, I hadn't done it for, um, you know, weight loss or health mm-hmm. at all. It was just like, I want to do this thing and kind of like say no and push back against society and my family. And like, and it, it was actually really horrible for my grandparents and my, and my parents in general, because they didn't know what to feed me anymore but I kind of liked that like I can have responsibility and control over my food and take um autonomy over this thing so I already developed that and I do think that that was kind of as a precursor kind of like led me into my eating disorder in a weird way like I think well it's that sense of ownership isn't it it's the idea that you can make those hard decisions and that people are praising you and it feels good when people sort of go you're different I could never do that. How cool. I'm going to ask you questions. What are your motivations? What do you eat now? And, you know, it's coming in that respect for the most part. I'd imagine people were talking to you about it out of general interest because it's like, this is a lifestyle I don't live. Tell me more. Like, why do you want to do it? And especially um, being vegan too, so many people do that for different reasons. Sometimes it's purely health. Sometimes it's animal rights. You know, it's it's sort of a mixed bag of motivations. But I love that you actually brought this up because there is a really strong attachment for people to classify their nutrition intake, whether it be I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian, I'm paleo, I'm low carb, keto, you know, which one do you want to be? And you're right, that classification actually can feed into disordered eating habits because suddenly you're taking ownership of a badge. Like this is my intake when really it should just be, I choose food that I like, you know, like it doesn't need to have the badge because our bodies ebb and flow throughout life. Our thought processes ebb and flow throughout life. And suddenly you might be vegan, vegetarian, keto, whatever it might be, something pops up in life that changes your perspective or your needs. And suddenly, even though you might not have an eating disorder, but just the idea that you need to remove that badge now for something else, it's like, but people know me as having that badge. What's going to happen when they see me order a steak or like just in your circumstance or if someone who's keto, what happens if they see me order pasta? Like, what are they going to think of me that I gave up on my my meal choice because it might not be the diet choice but it's it's a very tricky weird thing and I often encourage people and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it that try not 
to label yourself with a nutritional intake badge. Like you choose what's best for you. And if it happens to fall close to a category, that's cool, but you don't need to put yourself in the category. You just choose food that makes you happy and feel good. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a difficult thing to, you know, to get over. It was a huge part of my identity and what gave me worth because, Hmm. you know, my self-worth was so low that I just felt like I needed to do something to make myself different and special and just stand out. And um, yeah, it was, and, and I feel really bad about it, honestly, because I influenced so many people around me to become vegan that to this day, those people are still vegan because I had influenced them. And I feel, cause I was, I was on my high horse. I was like on a high pedestal. Like I was preaching it all the time and just talking about, you know, just the health food kind of thing. It was, I feel really bad looking, you know, when you're in your early twenties, like you think, you know, everything you think you figured it out and like, understand like the key to success and life is just so easy to understand. And no, it wasn't like that at all. So, but just on like that guilt that you've got though, Try and remember you were giving people the best knowledge that you had, like you were making the best decisions in your life at that time. So it wasn't as though you were trying to set people up or do the wrong thing. Like at that point in time, you're like, I feel great doing this. It's good for the environment or whatever your motivations were. You're actually saying that in a really heartfelt way. And the fact Mm -hmm. that you grew and learned different things and needed to make new decisions doesn't take away from the fact that that advice you gave in the first place really was coming from your heart. And just like you grew into other things, those people, it's up to them to listen to their personal circumstances and assess what's best for them. Like it's, it's never all on you to navigate other people's decisions in life. And if they're still vegan now and they're happy and thriving, like, cool. And if they're yeah. not, that's nothing on you. Like that's their just that's their choice to go. How can I be better? Um, are you still vegan at the moment? No, I have not been vegan. For yeah, no, because I just sort of six or so I got years, the impression yeah. that you weren't vegan anymore. Oh um, yeah, but I didn't want to say it because maybe maybe you are. And like either way, it's yeah, it's cool. Like you eat whatever makes you feel good. Um, no, I do have I have zero labels on what I eat now at this point. I feel like I've really remedied or healed that relationship I have with food that it's just, you know, food is food and it's not the most important thing about, it doesn't define me, you know, Mm. like my body is more than, because I had this whole, like I was very oriented to the physical world. And I really think now that, you know, there's more to food than sustenance and nourishment. Like there's, you know, like, um, like a spiritual type of nourishment that comes from food sometimes. And like my, like my dad, he's, just loves cheese and it just brings him so much joy like seriously feeds his soul on such a deep level and I was just always like dad you gotta stop with the cheese like you know listing off all the negatives and it's like inflammatory and all this stuff and he's thriving you know so I just just um, yeah so like it is so he's like I don't know he's like my role model honestly in a way because he was just always just so um, confident in his choices around like, oh, you guys and your veganism, because like I became vegan and I, I have three brothers and two of my brothers became vegan too. They aren't anymore, but like we were, were all living just, like, at home as well. Yeah. So That's no, tough. I was, yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. that was still cooking for you as well. It's like, well, what, well I was what like, do I I'm cook gonna now? Take, <laughs> yeah. Well, when I became vegan, I, my mom was like, I'm not going to cook anything for you guys. So I was just, I was cooking all the time. I was obsessed with you know, like, you know, soaking my rice and beans and making everything from scratch. And like, I was just very into it. So, Living the yeah. life. But, yeah. 
but yeah, so when I was 21, I'd been vegan already for, you know, four years at that point. Um, and so my eating disorder has kind of like had many different stages, I guess, you know, when I initially developed my eating disorder, it was bulimia Mm -hmm. and then it kind of changed into anorexia. And so I kind of tell you about how that happened. So the first time that I, you know, kind of had this, you know, I, I, like, like I said, I had this six month period of all this trauma and stress and kind of like became really um, anxious. And I, one night went out to um, a birthday dinner with my boyfriend and ate way more than I usually did. And just this feeling of disgust and self-loathing came over me. And I remember just going, I was living in a college dorm at the time. And I just remember going into the bathroom that night and being like, I just, I just can't, and I'm going to throw up. And I just suddenly was just like, I'm going to do it because I'd heard people did that. And it was always like, that seems weird. But at that moment, it didn't seem weird anymore. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to try it. And I remember I tried, and I did it and it was so easy. And this like, and it was so addictive immediately. I was like, oh, this yeah. feels so good. Like I feel empty and cleansing. light and yeah. And you, you know, that, that stress response, the adrenaline release you get from that makes you feel so good. So that was, you know, the first, my first experience with it. And I was kind of like, I'm not going to do that again. But then, mm. you know, a week or so later, did it again. And for about a month or two, every now and then I was throwing up my dinner essentially. Mm. And then at a certain point, I wasn't able to throw up anymore because I just, my body was trying to protect me. I understand now, but at the time it was scary. Cause I would, at first it was easy to purge mm. and then it became really hard and I couldn't do it anymore. So my body was like, I would try to purge and it wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. And that scared me so much. So then I was just like, I'm just not going to eat dinner anymore. I was going to say so just I- with that, it scared you so much. Cause obviously did you go, cause it's, it's a weird rhythm you get into when you're bulimic and it's sort of like, well, I know I'm going to purge later so I can eat that little bit more now because it's going to go. Yeah. So I could imagine that stress that you felt when you'd eaten with the plan of purging and suddenly you can't because then it's like, Oh my gosh, it's in me. What am I going to do? It's disgusting. It's toxic. I blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Um, that would have been a really horrible feeling as well. Uh-huh. Just trying to work through that because it's like, I want to, I can't, but I know I actually probably shouldn't, but I still want to. And then I guess organically you're sort of recognizing that addictive side of why do I want to throw up so much? Like what is this? To- And it was totally against my value system too, you know, being vegan, like I was eating vegan food Mm. and like, I was all about like sustainability and I just felt so like torn about it. I was like, you know, this food is precious, you know, it's like, this isn't like a, this something you can throw up. So I felt guilty and shameful about that. So the whole thing was like, Mm. when I wasn't able to throw up anymore, I was like, well, that's it. I'm just not going to ever do it again. And I'm never going to overeat again. And I had gone home for the summer and the way my family was structured, we didn't really have family dinners ever, not very often at all. So I was just able to just kind of like, just not eat dinner. And it was like, that actually became almost more addictive because the feeling of going to bed hungry was actually more satisfying than the feeling of overeating and throwing up. I was like, oh, this is even better. This mm-hmm. is amazing. And I got super high on that feeling of just like, yes, I can do this. And I felt so proud of myself, self-discipline and my will, willpower is so strong. And, um, because it was my first time ever dieting, like when you first diet, you lose weight really fast. I didn't yeah. know that, that would happen, but so, you know, at that time, that summer when I was 21, I lost, like, I, I don't remember how much it was, but enough to make my mother really scared. 
And it had been like two or three months. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table and she walks down the stairs and she sees me and she's like, what are you doing? Like, what happened to you? Like, she just, it was like overnight. She suddenly recognized that I had lost like 20 or 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. And like, then I was a healthy weight and I, cause I never was overweight. I was just you know, a little bit more, you know, just had more, a little bit more plump on me than I would have mm-hmm. wanted to, but I got super, and it was not a healthy lead. I was like, I lost my muscle mass. I lost like my skin became just like, I became this emaciated really fast. And she was immediately like, you need help. Um, she set me up to go to a nutritionist and, um, I had a consultation with a therapist and that and, um, that summer is when I lost my period. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was in August of 2011. And I remember I went to the dietitian and she kind of showed me this chart of like how much each of my organs, how much, how many calories my separate organs need to thrive every day, like my brain and my liver and my digestive tract. And I didn't understand that. I didn't have a concept. Like to me, it was like food wasn't something that provided anything to the body. Like I didn't have an understanding of like, you need protein and you need mm-hmm. your, your cells run on glucose. Like I didn't understand that. Um, I was just, uh, in this, you know, you know, when you're in your, in your eating disorder mind, you're kind of like, I'm, I'm different. I don't need food. It's kind of, I got yeah. really high off of that idea. So yeah, that kind of was, it was helpful, definitely helpful. And then I sort of was like really concerned about my period being gone. And she was like, Oh, don't worry. It'll come back when you're healthy. And my mother actually had lost her period when she was in her early twenties as well. And so she was like, yeah, don't worry. It'll come back when you're healthy. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, I'll just continue being vegan and doing healthy. the things. And, yeah. <laughs> and so what had actually, like, no one had the concept of like, you need to gain weight back again. So mm-hmm. even though I had lost all that weight that summer and I had kind of gotten some help with my, and I started eating dinner again and kind of like got a little bit better about it. I never actually gained all the weight back that I had lost. And never did until last year, essentially, for 10 years. Um, so then, like, the next few years, I was like, I... Sorry, can I ask, fa- were you exercising during this time as well? Or it was just low calorie? So I, I didn't actually... Um, so when I was um, doing the whole, you know, restriction thing from my first phase, I would compulsively walk mm-hmm. and I did yoga. So I would, like, you know, not eat dinner then wake up in the morning and go for like an hour walk yeah, to like, so you had the you know, fasting. get my, get my fasted workout thing. But I was never, I, I never liked running. I never did anything like that. Um, but then I discovered yoga and kind of became addicted to that later on, like about six months after I lost my period. So I was like, really started to be like, Oh, I need to get healthy. I need to start juicing. And so I, I got really into juicing and being more extreme with the veganism and like yeah, adding and in. something to touch on too, because we're, we're similar ages and back, you know, in the days when we were 2021, 20, it was a very big thing to do low intensity, steady state cardio fasted. Mm-hmm. Like whether you're a bodybuilder, whether you're trying to do basic weight loss, that like it's there's seasonal fads with how you should train and how you should eat and all that sort of thing. And at that point in time, everyone was preaching walk first thing in the morning, don't eat anything. Even if you cannot have a coffee, just don't let a drop of anything touch your tongue. Walk for an hour. Like there wasn't this 10,000 step a day count. And like, that's a whole other thing too, because that can be used in the wrong capacity as well. Um, But at the time it was those fasted walks. It was low carbohydrates, you know, regardless of food choices, just don't have carbs. You can't trust them. And 
if you look to HA recovery, it's like you must eat within an hour of waking. Do not expend energy unless you've eaten something. Um, Carbohydrates are great, you know. And 10 years ago when we were beginning to be healthy and try and find that perfect balance, right, because that's all we really wanted, hey. We weren't trying to get to where we ended up. We were just listening, learning and doing what we're told really and it's just so ironic that all the things that were like in trend for the fitness industry back then are just polar opposite to what women actually need in order to be healthy and fertile yeah and it's bizarre because I remember I was obsessed with this book called the Tao of health sex and longevity and the whole book looking back was completely directed towards men I don't know why I was taking any advice from this book. It was like talking about like, you have to exercise first thing in the morning. You have to only no snacks and don't eat six hours before you go to bed and all this stuff. And it was like, even in the pictures in the book were all men. I don't know what I was thinking that this was like applying to me at all. Like I was a female with no period, like, no, does not apply. But I became like really obsessed with like spiritual, like spirituality and like self-actualization. And so I started to see this like, um, aesthetic sort of like minimalism and like eating as little as possible and kind of like meditating and doing yoga that became a big part of my like what is healthy um Mm -hmm. and like trying to like to 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 like escape the physical you know karmic cycle of life or whatever to do all these things you know so I really did apply eating and the way that I move my body to this kind of like this is the correct moral spiritual thing to do so that was Mm -hmm. maybe even harder to let go of I think um but yeah so I for my last semester of college I went to Hawaii and I when I was in Hawaii I was there for about a a year and a half and I became a raw vegan because you know I wasn't extreme enough so Mm. I started doing like um juice cleanses and coconut water fasts and that just made me even more depleted. I lost even more. I, so I lost more the weight that I had, the small amount of weight I gained after that first initial thing. And um, that was kind of like that year. And then for the next, from 2011, from, from, from age 21 to 24, I was just traveling a lot. So after school, I decided to go backpacking. So I really became interested in learning about um, farming and caring for um, like the land, like sustainability, that kind of thing. So I decided to go volunteer on all these farms in Europe. So I was living in France and Germany and Finland and yeah, England, just traveling around a lot. And although I really enjoyed that period of my life, uh, it was definitely not healthy for my, you know, my HA was just getting worse and worse and worse because when I was traveling, I became even more obsessive about my food and restricting and all this stuff. So that was really um, I had like, you know, I, even though I, I, I never really recovered from my eating disorder, essentially, like, even though I got mm. a little bit better, it was still mentally a big part of my life. It was my coping mechanism and my, um, stress relief and this, mm. this ability to like this numbing thing in my life that, and I just really liked my body thinner, you know, having lived the first 21 years of my life in a larger body, I was just not ready to let go of my thin frame. I just really liked being thin and wafy and being able to fit into small spaces and just, it was a very toxic 
way that I like experience my body. And I definitely had body dysmorphia too, because I didn't really ever see myself as that thin, you know, people make comments to me about being thin. I'd be like, Oh, I'm not that thin. I just didn't think that I was, I I always had weight to lose essentially. It was always my kind of um, perspective. I'm just grinning as Um, you say that, not because it's like funny in any way, shape or form, but just because I can relate to it so much. And I, remember for a long period of time um you mentioned it earlier that you started to feel good about feeling hungry and um the and I I was the same and that's what led me into fasting because it's like wow Mm. I can feel hungry for so long and if you actually Mm. fast for long enough you don't feel hungry at all it just disappears and then it's like and you feel really I can have the benefit yeah you can see really well you hear really well um and like when we're not saying this to go encourage you to go fast, but um, oh. the thing is the if you read the text on fasting at the time we were fasting, it was very much you'll have heightened senses, you'll be more productive in life, like you won't just lose weight and maintain a shredded body, but you'll be essentially being perfect at everything and being your best version in all elements. And then you have this fasting experience in like, wow, I am so alert. And because you've been told that alertness is actually a good thing for you, you go, wow, I've done it. Like I've reached it. I can feel this. Like I am on Mm -hmm. literally, as you said, high alert. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, as women, you know, we do respond differently to men. And that high alert is made for men to go hunting and find the food and find it quick because you're hungry. And Mm -hmm. as women we're not meant to have that we're meant to be fueled and preparing for procreation all those sorts of things and it's just so interesting like depending on what you expose yourself to you will believe anything right Uh because if we had have been reading fasting will stop your period um make you and render you infertile temporarily um you know that high buzz is actually cortisol because you are freaking Uh out Um, yeah we probably would have thought so differently about it but when you're being told, mm-hmm. oh, that alertness, tick, you did it. It's like it's it does become so addictive, which is where yeah. anything like that is, it's so easy for it to become dangerous. So especially because once you eat after having fasted, your digestive system is so suppressed that any food you eat makes you feel awful. And you just yeah. like, or I'm going to do another fast. And then my dig- I, I just couldn't digest anything at a certain mm-hmm. point. I just became Such like, well, I guess I just don't have to eat anymore. And so it's just like cycle of just like, okay. So yeah, that was, and I, you know, the entire time I didn't have my period, I was really concerned about it. I definitely was on a mission to try to get it back. So when I was actually in Hawaii, I saw an acupuncturist to try to get my period back. Um, I also had a lot of other, you know, health things. Like I had acid reflux really badly. I was Mm -hmm. having this awful digestive system. Like my, anything I ate would just go right through me. Like I had like IBS kind of symptoms too. So that was really bad. So I went to go see an acupuncturist in Hawaii and that really, you know, springboarded me into being interested in alternative health. And because at the time, you know, I was like living on this farm in Hawaii, I had no money. And she was like, I don't think you can really afford to come for acupuncture treatments regularly, but I'm going to give you this book about Chinese medicine. You can read about it. And so I read that book cover to cover and I became so fascinated and just enthralled by the concept of acupuncture. And that was in two, that was when I was like 23 ish. And then I went to Europe and I was backpacking and stuff. And I suddenly decided that I want to become an acupuncturist. I want to go to acupuncture school. I want to do, because I had me, my undergrad was in anthropology, which is like, what am I going to do with that kind of thing? And 
I just wanted to have some kind of career and to do something to get my period back to like in my mind, I was like, I'm going to go to, going to, go to acupuncture school. I'm going to learn how to use herbs and food and acupuncture to get my period to come back. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, this like panacea. Perfect. This thing. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So I applied to acupuncture school and I decided to go to move to Texas. Um, in Austin, Texas is where the, my graduate program was. And it was a four-year program. It's a huge commitment. And at that point, actually, I had gotten to a better place with my eating a little bit. Like in 2014, I had kind of like gone to it because I've been living on these farms, which is very healing for my eating disorder because it's very communally oriented. So you're eating with other people and there's structured meals and the social aspect of it. And I felt, and I'd also like dabbled with eating to not, to not being vegan anymore. I, um, during that whole time traveling on farms, I learned about the importance of animals in the ecosystem and the ecology of the earth and how essential um, they are to our health and health of the planet. So I started to be like, okay, maybe I'm not going to be vegan anymore. Maybe I'm going to be more just like sustainably oriented. So I did have some experiences eating not meat yet, but I was eating dairy and eggs from the farm. So I was very mm-hmm. like, well, if it's from the farm and I'm, and I'm milking the animals, then it's okay. And I made the yeah. cheese, so it's okay. Um, and actually when I decided to go to move to Austin, um, I remember talking to my brother actually and saying like, I want to go. He was encouraging me to go to, back to school. And he was like, I was like, I really do want to go, but I just know, I just feel like when I'm there living, living by myself, I don't want my eating disorder to come back. And I was like, really like, I just, I know the stress of being alone and isolated and having all this. I I just knew that it was a huge red flag for me. Like anytime I'm isolated or stressed out, it was like, I just, I felt like like you don't know how else to cope other than doing those old behaviors. And it doesn't matter how dormant they've been. If you haven't addressed why they occur and how to take the alternate path, they'll always pop their head up. And Mm -hmm. thank you for bringing up the, the fear about being alone um, because that's really common too. And, and something I definitely experienced myself, which was I made sure that I always had company of friends, of family, um, you know, and as you said, it happens in different stages. Like I wasn't like this the whole time, but there was periods where I just can't be alone either one, because I don't trust what I'm going to do around food. So, cause if I start mm-hmm. eating, I might not stop and then I'll purge. Or I just won't eat at all. And I know that's not good either because I need to eat, but I'm too scared to eat if no one's around in case I do totally, something crazy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then also I just, it, there was a long period of time where I was so afraid to be alone with my thoughts. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't want to think what's going to pop up. Like I'm not ready to deal with this. I'm not ready to handle it. Like I can't just distract me as much as I can. And as you said earlier, sometimes the hunger was that because all you could think about was you were hungry. So you weren't thinking about, current problems, past problems, future problems. Um, and yeah, that, that distraction. And I'm, I wonder if you felt the same way. It's like, once you learnt to accept the thoughts, make peace with the thoughts is when you started really just literally coming back to life where you could trust being alone by yourself, or you could trust being around food because rather than hiding from all of this baggage, you're just like, Hey, I, I can see you. We're going to dig into it and we're just going to work out what the heck's going on. And now I don't need this big armor to protect me mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm ready to face it. Yeah, I definitely wasn't there at the time. I can tell mm. you that for sure. Um, so, yeah, I decided to, to do it anyway. And, um, 
yeah, like literally within three months, I remember just like this, that same feeling of like just disgust and self-hatred and just anger at my body and myself. And I just like like the stress of the rest of my life, just like my body and like seeing it as a problem and focusing on it as a problem became this like outlet for all of Mm. my, 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 like the stress of my life and my anxiety. I was like, something's wrong. Like I have to fix it. It must be my body. I have to fix it. So yeah. So within three months I had already stopped eating dinner again and just the whole pattern again and fasted workouts. And I got really into yoga at the time too. So I was just doing wake up in the morning, do an hour of yoga, go for an hour walk, and then maybe eat a small meal and then maybe have an apple for lunch and then not eat. So that was, and then I was also like, when I was in school, I was also working part-time. So I was in school from like nine to five every day. And then I go work and on the weekends I was working. So for literally four years of my life, I didn't have a single day off. And I loved it because the thought of being alone by myself with my thoughts was too much for me to handle. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I had no, this, the, even if I had a second, like 10 minutes of a free span of time, just the anxiety was just overwhelming. So um, I just, yeah, so that was um, a really awful, I did enjoy school. I mean, I, I was in school for four years and I didn't, I really enjoyed the whole process of learning and I had it bits and pieces of a few months of being better and then getting worse and getting better and getting worse. And it's like, so most I was gaining a little bit of weight and losing it again. And so it was just kind of this yo-yoing back and forth um, for the first three years. And then in 2017, I just com- I had a really stressful thing happen in my life again. And I just, just I just completely lost, completely lost my appetite and I literally ate like nothing but a grapefruit a day for like a month. And I got so emaciated that it was, it was really not. And I was still working and going to school and I was really Mm -hmm. active and I was walking everywhere. And I was just, I became like in my, and I literally forgot who I was. Like, I forgot who Anina was. I just, my eating disorder became this like this thing, this like entity that could help me in my life. And push me forward and help me do hard things and enable my willpower to fire up. And because I was a very intense perfectionist and obsessive about getting good grades and doing everything right. And this being perfect. And that, you know, I was also part with my eating too, like being regimented and disciplined and all these things. Like I was a big part of my coping mechanism, I guess, with the stress of school. Mm-hmm. And so that was in 2017. And I, so that was like six months I lost way more weight than I'd ever lost. You know, I got below a hundred pounds and I, a lot of my um, professors and friends at school were really worried about me. And I ended up actually calling in to get um, help for my eating disorder clinic. Like I did it on my own. I was like, I'm going to call and see if I can get, do an outpatient program to get, to help me. And um, I remember calling them and asking to be an outpatient and they, they did like an evaluation of me and I told them how much I weighed and what I was doing and like my diet and stuff. And they said to me, like, we can't accept you as an outpatient. You have to come inpatient. You're too, your, your weight is too low for you to be allowed to be by yourself. Like you are in a critical state. You could die any moment. You need to be re you need to do do a refeeding and all this stuff. And I, at that point I had like four months left of graduate, my graduate school. And I was like, I don't no, have the time I'm not, for this. <laughs> I'm not like I just I wow. need to finish this program and not do it. And so I didn't go. And I had like a 
like a near-death experience actually in 2018 I almost died because of my eating disorder I was a very it was a it was a rock bottom moment for me it was mm. barely like you know it was it was actually a very spiritual experience because of what happened was I at that point I was really only eating one meal a day and it was breakfast and I would usually go to like a yoga class or do some exercise in the morning and then eat and then go to work. Um, and at that day, something had, so the exercise class I'd gone to was more strenuous than I had planned for. And so I did way more physical activity after having not eaten for like 24 hours. And then I wasn't able to eat breakfast because I'd go, something happened where I was rushed to go to, to work immediately. And it was awful. Like I could feel my body literally shutting down. Like mm. I, I could feel myself, this, like my soul leaving my body. It was like literally this near death, like I'm entering the other world, like a parallel universe. And um, that was, that experience was terrifying, but it was also um, like, uh, it, I, I think of it as a like spiritual awakening because when that happened and I almost died from this thing, this other force entered into my body at the same moment and was like an angel that was came in to, to, that came in to help me to take care of myself. And it was just this like blanket of protection and warmth. It was like God had entered into me and said like, don't worry, calm down. Like we're going to help you. And I suddenly, my eating disorder was like smashed out of the picture, completely escaped my body. I wasn't even there. I was kind of in the background. And this like God force came in and said, I know what to do. You're going to go to the store and get some food. You're going to eat the food. You're going to lie down and you're just going to eat the food. And then you're going to, and then like telling you what to do and telling you, telling me to prepare food for myself that I had no idea how to prepare. You know, it was like, take bone breath, get some egg yolks, bake some potatoes, like have some honey and butter. And I was just eating and lying down and eating. And so this next month or the next month or month or two was just this intense God energy entered into me and said, like, we're going to help you heal. And I was just on, I was literally not even present. It felt like I was just like, not, I wasn't in control of myself anymore, which is amazingly healing because I had always been obsessed with controlling it. And then this other force came in and was like, no, we're going we to do, we're going to heal you. And so I was able to put on a healthy amount of weight and get to a stable place. And three months later, after um, refeeding myself naturally, not because I think I could have, you know, I probably could have died. The whole electrolyte imbalance and not be that, being that thin, you know, I was like 85 pounds, you know, and I'm five, six, that's really emaciated. Yeah. So what, what, I gained, don't mind me asking, that back and, in that experience, did you sort of like pass out and up in hospital? Um, like, no. So I can kind of tell you, so it's a little bit embarrassing because it, it, it's, it was traumatizing, but it was also, you know, transformative. Only if you're comfortable to share. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't mind sharing it. It was a, yeah. it was a very, just to this to know that that could happen, I think it's just, it's, it's amazing. So, um, so I, like I said, I'd gone to this 6am class and then gone to work and I was, didn't have time to eat. And so I walk in and I was at that time doing like, um, I had rented a room and I was doing acupuncture sessions for clients. And so I had a client at 8am and my, so I get to work at like 745, don't have time to eat. And I get my client on the table, put the needles in and I walk out of the room and I'm like literally about to pass out. But I was just mm -hmm. like, I have to keep on working. And I, 
um, you know, this happens to like people when they when they almost die is they 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 defecate, they they release their bowels, mm -hmm. and so my bowels just released, and I was just on the floor in the middle of like my office, and I'm just like about to pass out. Like I have, I could feel my heart beating like a million miles per minute. My body, I'm sweating profusely, and I tried to eat something, and I immediately just cough it up. Like I can't even. My body was like not even letting me drink anything, so I had like completely emptied of my, my bowels had emptied I couldn't even eat anything and I was just shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking and I felt like I was like I couldn't even and this was an hour he was supposed to be on the table so I'm just like lying there shaking mm -hmm. and that's when that happened that God force entered me at that moment and it was like calm down take it it was like breathe and I was like <sighs> when I breathed and I was it was like just calm down because I was stressed I was freaking out of course. and it was like no you need to calm down you need to calm down and because I was so stressed, I couldn't eat anything. And it was like, calm down, just breathe. And I was just like living in this like parallel reality of just like feeling like I was like, my soul was leaving my body. And um, it, you know, I, I eventually calmed down and I was able to just breathe, breathe really, really slowly and calm down. And then I was able to eat something and actually keep it down because mm -hmm. of my body had, my digestive calmed. system. Yeah, because I calmed myself down. Like I was in a parasympathetic, parasympathetic state. So I was able to actually breathe and not freak out and that energy was kind of staying with me and it's it's really bizarre that this hell happened like while I had a I had a client in that acupuncture room and he didn't even know this was going on mm -hmm. so and I just went around my business and pretended that everything was fine because that's what I was used to doing oh I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine all the time just lying I was at that point just like just I had to say it to convince myself almost that I was fine um but yeah so that was kind of, I didn't go to the hospital. I, I thought, you know, I'm just the kind of person that I don't ask for help. I just really bad mm -hmm. at advocating for myself. And I always think I can control everything. I can do it myself. Like I don't need help. So I know yeah. one knew that that happened to me. And, but, but at the same time, like people could tell after that period that I was getting better and everyone mm -hmm. was like, wow, you look amazing. And I, because the joy and the enthusiasm for life that I had lost during those, that relapse, I, it all came back to me and my desire to be alive was reignited in my, just my, my thirst for experience and joy. And I felt this over empowering, um, overpowering feeling of love for life and myself. And I was like, it healed my hatred of myself too. I was like, I deserve to live. I want to live. I love myself. I want to live. And like, even in that period, I was like kind of going a little bit crazy. I called everyone that I knew that I had any, any like past remorse or struggles with. And I called them and I said, I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And I understood suddenly everything in my life and things that had all the trauma that had happened to me that I felt like was this, like, this happened to you. I was like, this happened for me. And this mm -hmm. is transformative. And that, that feeling of just like acceptance of myself and the life, I just felt so amazing. Like, and it was, I, it's, it's incredible that that, 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 that was able to happen to me because I don't, I don't know. I'm just not the kind of person that would have been able to go to a treatment center and then refed and then and sent on my merry way and not relapse, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like, I almost needed to get to that rock bottom place to suddenly be like, I want to live and choose for myself and do it on my own. It was like, I don't, I don't advise anyone to not get help. Obviously, I think everyone should go get help if they have an eating disorder, especially to the extent that I had, 
but I was so stubborn and I just didn't think I just, I, did, I wasn't ready to recover. You have to want to recover to be mm-hmm. able to recover. You can't just be like, I know rationally that I should, but I don't want to. I didn't want to. I was like, I like being thin. I like being controlled. I like this. And then mm-hmm. I was suddenly like, no, I don't like this anymore. It's just not working out. And yeah, it was so, he was, he was healing. So, and that was in 2018. And um, so one, I yeah. just want to thank you for sharing that journey. Cause that's a really, really powerful experience that you had and terrifying as well. Um, so terrifying. Yeah. And like, just to address that our bodies can actually tolerate so, so much until they can't tolerate anymore. Yeah. And it's a really important thing that you shared. And I'm so glad you did because anyone listening who is got an eating disorder, it's like, you might think that certain things need to go wrong before it goes too wrong. And it's not true. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can just keep pushing and pushing because all your body wants to do is keep you alive. It's just trying to protect you and keep you going. And it can happen where you get to a spot where your body is just that depleted and deprived and horrible things can happen in the snap of the thing, in the snap totally. of your fingers. And I want to feel, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, because you feel like you're immune to death when you're with an eating disorder, you really feel like, oh, that's it's not like a blanket you. over you where yeah. you feel nothing, including mm-hmm. fear. There's yeah. nothing in you that allows you to feel anything because you are just so numb and dull and distracted by your to-do list. Uh it's like as you sort of said it's like well I don't even have time to go to an inpatient program like I've got to go to school I've got to go to work and while I totally agree like if get help when you need it before you need it even like there's no you need to reach this point before you ask for help you can be anyway any kind of behaviors that you know aren't right if you like just get the help I don't even question it you're better off overreacting and getting help now and going oh I only needed one appointment to break through that barrier or two appointments rather than get to a stage like where you did as an example where you know things could have been dire like Mm -hmm. that's a wow um but like you said because I'm quite a spiritual person too and like I do believe in those sorts of experiences and spirit coming over you or like a, a godly being or whatever it was and I just find it so beautiful how like within that moment, you had the power to just, you had a path, like within the snap of fingers and one experience, terrifying experience, you've gone from nothingness literally to, oh, and like, I don't deserve anything more to, no, I need to love myself. I need to forgive everyone around me. I need to address all this emotional baggage. I need to feel the baggage. I need to feel my body. Um, and with that sort of godly feeling that washed over you, do you feel like a really powerful part of it was the fact that you were being told what to do at a time when you were open to it? Because you sort of said you had these recipes and things pop into your mind that you'd never once thought of. And you just, you just went ahead and you did it yeah. really effortlessly. I just, com- I just completely let go of control. And I was just like, I'm going to go with the flow. I'm not going to, I'm just going to lie back and allow this to come over me. And it just felt right. It, there was, it was like that, my eating disorder was just gone. Like that, that voice in my head, that like this like belittling, contemptful, just like disgusted being that you have when you have an eating disorder, like everything about you, it, it hates you. It wants you to die. Like it was mm-hmm. just like, 
constantly like just belittling me, making me feel awful and saying, you're not good enough. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Like you just, just like you're disgusting. All these things mm. that you feel with the eating disorder, that's how it's, it, it makes you act, you act on it. And suddenly it was just gone. And I was just feeling like, no, I'm an important individual. I have important things to do in my life and I deserve to live and that I am worthy of life and food. You deserve the food and you deserve to embrace life in all its capacity and to really just to, to, to reach your highest potential. And at that point, like I just, yeah, I just, it just, it, I really don't, I don't even understand, you know, to a certain extent what really even happened because it's, I've like searched for similar stories and I've heard people talk about Kundalini awakenings and things like that. But um, because I was meditating a lot at that time, you know, like I said, I was really into yoga and that morning I had gone to a Kundalini class and I was doing all these chants and stuff like that. So could have been that, I don't really know, but it, yeah, it was, it really um, amazing. Yeah. It really no, did. An, yeah. An incredible, incredible experience. Yeah. So that was the entire span of 2018, which is me just continuing to carry on. And just having no desire at all, just that feeling of self-deprecation and self-hatred was just gone. And I just really wanted to, to live, and especially because I now was done with school. I had this like stress release off of me, this being like, okay, now I can just live my life and I can actually help and serve people. So I started to just really throw myself into my work and to get into um, honing my craft and um helping people. Like that was like my new outlet, I guess, um, during 2018. And, um, that year I was still doing a lot of, I still had held on to some habits. Like I was still exercising a lot. And, um, I like after I, I after the six months after that experience, I had gained a good amount of weight back, but I still was very low. I mean, I was probably like a hundred pounds, 105 pounds. So I gained enough weight to be sustain just to sustain myself but I was still over exercising I was doing hot yoga ashtanga yoga which is a very vigorous masculine practice and I was doing that still a lot um and I also I should say that I also had a very restricted diet still because my digestive system was so weak that mm -hmm. I really couldn't eat that many foods so I kept it very simple and very um like just eating small amounts frequently You're very cautious kind of, I was very yeah, it's like, I don't want the uh, yeah. digestive upset. So I'm just going to eat anything that's not going to unsettle me, which is kind of the yeah. hard part about eating disorder recovery, because it's like, there is a level of gut upset that comes with having bigger meals, eating new foods, because, you know, your gut, microbi gut microbiome needs to catch up and your digestion needs to almost learn some things again. And um, mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, it's, that's the, tricky part sometimes even though your intention's good it's like but I feel so crap every time I do eat more so maybe my body's actually just telling me not to and yeah it's, it's a hard conversation so, to have with yourself yeah to break out of this like that like the, the structured routine that you know works to break mm. out of that I was still really had a hard time to, to doing that so that to, for the entire span of 2018 I was still just kind of like trying to I was still eating very restrictively even though I had had that experience, my eating disorder, you know, my, my hat, my, my compulsive habits were still a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in 2019, I was again, like really just like, why do I not, do I not have my period? I want my period. And my dad had gotten remarried to a woman who was a little bit older than me. So she was like in her early, like early thirties and my dad's in his fifties, but he married this woman and they had babies. 
and he had a, a daughter and I never had a sister. I have three brothers, but I got a new baby sister. So I went to visit her and the baby and just like this feeling of like, oh my God, like this baby. And I remember holding the baby and it was just not because I was still so thin. I had no breasts, essentially. <laughs> the baby was just crying in my arms. And I just recognized at that moment that my body is just not, the baby doesn't like my body. Like <laughs> I don't have, I don't have a fertile body. Like it was like, I, it wants the, the luscious feminine bounty that is motherhood and I was like I want that and so after that after that happened I um got home and I was like researching like how to get my period back why don't I have my period and I came across no period now what and at the time when I found it I was like I'm not sure if this really applies to me I'm not a runner but I got the book and read it um within the span of like a week and I was just like mind blown this is me and it was so <laughs> frustrating I was like I've had HA for eight years and I just figured this out now and why have I not figured this out especially going to acupuncture school and learning all the things never had I ever figured out that I had HA I you know was never diagnosed at all but I diagnosed myself after having read that read that book and that was like spring of 2019 and so I read the book and I was suddenly just like I need to go all in <laughs> and so like and that and, and I was also like um I knew also that I had to get over my last fears of certain foods so I started to do exposure therapy which I read about online um which is a form of going exposing yourself to a fear and doing it and um at the time my boyfriend who you know we were living together at the time he um helped me a lot with this I was like we're gonna I'm gonna go and I'm going to like face my fear foods and do all. So I had all the list of fear foods I was going to overcome. And every week I would, I would do one. And it was so healing for me because mm -hmm. I would be able to eat those foods in a calm state. And I would make sure I was like deep breathing, doing all the things to make sure I could eat it. And like nothing bad happened. I was fine. Mm -hmm. Like it was so amazing that I could do that. Like all the foods I'd ever been scared of, like, you know, bagels, cheese, um, pizza, ice cream, burgers, fries, all these things. I would just go and I'd get it and I'd eat it. And I'd just be like, I would accept it and say like, this is nourishing me. This food is my medicine. This is healing me. Cause that book had really even me opened my eyes to the idea that like food, it's not like it, it is healing and that you need, you, you deserve to eat this amount of food and to get your period back. So I did that for the entire summer of 2019, slowly eating new foods, going to the grocery store, allowing myself to get whatever I wanted. Sorry, um, can I just add in also with exposure therapy, because I, I love it and I highly recommend it because you can tailor it so that it's so personalized to you. Like mm -hmm. depending on the level of anxiety you've got around particular foods, it can literally start off as just looking at a, a cake magazine until mm -hmm. you feel like like your heart's not racing when you're looking at these recipes like it can be that small of a task not even yeah. eating just looking sitting in a cafe or a cake shop or something not even ordering just watching other people eat and in witnessing. I did do that <laughs> look, look they're having a great time like they're chatting they're laughing they're having a bite here a bite there and you can really just emerge yourself in an environment before even actually eating anything and you know, you can start off with a bite. You can start off with two bites. You can start off with a whole slice. Like it, it's whatever works well with you. And I like how you mentioned, you know, the list of things because, you know, it tends to be a common thing that women that have fallen into ED and HA is that we are very task-orientated specimens and exposure uh -huh. therapy can 
actually work in our favor because it's a task process. It's like, oh, here's the plan. I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit in the cafe today and just watch other people eat and see how happy they are and how they order and what's going on. And then um, Tuesday next week, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to bring a friend. We're going to share a piece of cake together. It doesn't matter how many bites I have. We're just going to share it. And you can still have a bit of a plan. And sometimes people go, oh no, but we can't have plans because we're rigid people. And just like anything, it is a tool that can be used for you or against you. And if you're looking at this tool going, like, I must do this at 9.03 and if it's any later or, you know, okay, we're, we're not really using it in a, in a beneficial way. But if you're using it as a tool to progress further and move forward and, and heal and explore and it's fun, like, it's okay to have plans. Like, plans still work for you. It's just the emotional attachment. If you are afraid of breaking the plan, it's, it's too emotional. But if it's just like, oh, it's Tuesday. I said I was going to try a bagel today. Cool. Like that, that sounds fun. Like that, that's all okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, and it was very, it was very healing for me to be able to do that and to eat these foods that I had been so disconditioned to believe would just destroy, just destroy my health. Like if I eat this, the world's going to end. Like I really thought that about certain foods, like they had such control over me mentally, like what, what it would mean if this food entered my mouth and like mm-hmm. the whole Thing just terrified me in the beginning but um you know I was watching a lot of like YouTube videos too and seeing other people eat these foods it also was very just like important for me too to be like, okay like they're eating the food and they're not dying I can do it too um so that was very no, no I'm grinning because it's so it in hindsight you can have a bit of giggle of your thoughts but in that moment you do believe things as dramatic as like like this food could kill me or I could get cancer or I'm actually going to wake up tomorrow 10 kilos, 20 pounds heavier, like you, you actually believe those things. Like it, it's not a, yes, it's over-dramatizing, but in that moment, it's very real. And that's where uh-huh. that mindset is so important. You're like, all right, how logical is this thought? Like, what are the chances <laughs> I'm actually going to gain 20 pounds overnight? Like, yeah, really, you're not. <laughs> I've, I've learned about calories and things for so long. Like, I know that's actually not likely. So I can have this food and it's going to be okay. Or, you know what, people have been eating this food for goodness knows how many years and have lived to tell the, lived to tell the tale. So how, how rational is it that I'm thinking if I have this, I'm going to get some crazy disease and, you know, all those sorts of thoughts. And sometimes you need to nitpick those things. It's like, hang on, what is this thought? Like what's the substance behind it? Is it fact? Is it a belief? Where did it come mm-hmm. from? On a scale of one to 10, how likely is it actually going to happen? Mm-hmm. And if you can make peace with yourself and actually have those sorts of conversations, you'll start to go, oh, oh, you know what? That one meal isn't going to, you know, make me obese or that one meal isn't going to make me sick. Or you can actually talk yourself through and, and get to a spot where it even just relaxes you enough to have a bite of the food. Mm-hmm. Especially to the, the whole mindset around like, why am I so special and different? You know, the idea of like, would you, I would, I would be able to serve my loved ones, my, my family members, someone I cared about. I would, I would say, yeah, have some ice cream. Yeah. Have a burger. If you want it, like, why am I so different? Why can't, why don't I, why can't I treat myself? Like I would treat someone else like seeing that changing your mind around like, well, 
it's, it's like, it's like, you are not special or you're not unique, you know, and mm. which is hard when you're recovering for an eating disorder, because you want to be special and you want to be unique and like have these extra Absolutely. And, and I guess some of yeah. that part is where you want to hide about your journey because there is that longing to be unique and individual and different from the crowd. And it's sort of some guilt can be attached to it. Cause it's like, why do you need to be different? Especially like you can be different in general, but why do you need to be different in respect to food? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like why, why is that happening? And I love how you brought up just the, the serving of food because it's funny how we can sit there during an eating disorder and be like, oh, look how much they're enjoying that food. And I love that they're laughing and, and you can see it and mm-hmm. smile about it and then go, but I'm not deserving. Like I, right, yeah. I, I can't enjoy that. I'm not allowed. I won't let myself. And it's like, why? You know, where's yeah. the love gone there? And it's such a big part of healing eating disorders is recognizing why you think you're not deserving of love or enjoyment over food or like literally just tasting delicious, yummy, sugary, buttery food. Like it's okay Uh to have that touch your tongue and go, oh, wow, like this is yummy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I also the the aspect of allowing like because I had this, you know, I'm allowed, I should eat 2,500 calories. I need to gain weight. And also I should say at the beginning, when I was reading that book, I was like, I hadn't weighed myself in a long time. And I, you know, when you have body dysmorphia, you think you're way heavier than you actually are. I was like, I must be like 125 pounds. I don't know. And I remember calculating based off of the, in the no period now, what they have, like, what is a healthy BMI? And I remember calculating, like, what is my healthy BMI, you know, 22, 23. And I remember that weight was like 138 pounds and I was like, okay, how much do I weigh? And I weighed 109 pounds. And yeah. I was like, oh, I have to gain about 30 pounds. And yeah. I stood there and I said to my boyfriend, I'm going to gain 30 pounds. <laughs> and like, so that was made it easier also to go out and eat where it was like, well, I need to well, Cause weight. it's the goal. You switched from <laughs> yeah. always being like, I need to be as little as I can and as low number as I can to no, in order to thrive, I need to be this. And sometimes it can be a flick of a switch. As soon as you go, oh, this is the goal. I need to eat this much. I need to weigh this much. I need to get my period back. As soon as you've got that emotional attachment, you can can use numbers to fuel you. And again, it's Mm -hmm. just that emotional attachment. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's been a few parts in your journey where you've just had those aha moments. And I love it because I love highlighting to people that sometimes you just need to work out what clicks in your mind that makes you go, oh, that's what I need. I can do that now. Uh I can do it. And different things work for different people. And it takes exploration to find that, like Uh that click of the BMI that just went, oh, okay, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to gain this amount of weight. And you've gone, whoa, like I'm empowered. Let's do it. Um, Other people might see BMI chart and it just doesn't work for them. Like, oh my gosh, I I can't, I can't look at a chart. I I can't be in that category and that's okay. Like dismiss it, but keep trying Mm -hmm. to find what works for you because you'll find something. There will always be something where you go, oh, it makes it so much easier if I can think about it like this. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. So even though I was doing all that and so, you know, it seemed like it was going really well, I still, I didn't have a good structure around my day. Like I would have days where I would eat some fear food and stuff, but I was really still working out fasted in the morning, sometimes still not eating dinner. And so this went on for the summer of 2019. So I was doing better and I gained some weight, but then I remember like, it was like, I had heard somewhere that it takes 
three months to get your period back. And I had been four months at this point and I hadn't had my period back. But looking back, I was still not eating breakfast right away when I was still not eating every fasting. few hours. I was still, yeah, even though I was eating more food, I was still not, I probably, I wasn't calculating my calories. I don't mm-hmm. think I was eating, I was not eating enough at all. So I kind of gave up too fast. I was like, this isn't working. And mm-hmm. I remember at the end of 2019, suddenly just being like, trying to put on a pair of pants that I thought would fit and they did not fit. And I was never being like, Mm-hmm. I can't handle this. And I, 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 I freaked out and I decided to start exercising again. So I started doing hot yoga again. I signed up for this like ridiculous, you know, 30 day challenge of doing like <laughs> this, like, you know, sweaty class for an hour and a half every day. And so I got, I kind of relapsed after, you know, trying, I think going all in like that without any structure or help from the outside. I just, I just was telling like, this is not going to work for me. It doesn't work for mm-hmm. me. It's not going to, it's not going to work. Um, so yeah, I kind of gave up for a little while, which made my boyfriend like really upset about that. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, it's not, I just need, I just need a break. So I took like six months to like kind of regroup a little bit, I guess. Um, and then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, um, I was still using exercise as a coping mechanism. I was still not eating dinner regularly. I was still severely just like using, I was still kind of like locked in those in that mindset. Um, and then my husband and I, well, my, my boyfriend became my fiance. We decided to buy a house, um, in the beginning of March in March, 2020. And then we lived at the house. We were like doing a lot of like renovation on our house and changing things up. So my life was still like, it was always like, it's not the time yet. It's not the time yet. I'm going to wait and wait and wait. And then I, the summer of 2020 was when I was like, I'm going to focus more on nourishment. So I had still maintained like two restrictive um, like components of my diet. I still wasn't eating three meals and three snacks per day. I was still not eating dinner and I was still, you know, doing the morning fasted workouts and stuff like that. So it was in the summer of 2020 when I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take incremental steps every single day and any progress is progress, you know, even if it's small, I'm just going to like, so I, I said, I sat my fiance down and I was like, I'm going to make dinner every night and we're going to eat dinner, family dinner every night. And he was like, that sounds great. Cause like he loves, you know, when I cook for him. So I got really, really into cooking and making food that was fresh and nourishing for him and for me. And so we kind of made this ritual of having dinner every night. Um, and then I slowly was like, um, upping my calories slowly, slowly, slowly. And then, uh, but I was still like working out fasted in the morning often, which is just like, it's so embarrassing to look back and be like, I just, I just wasn't ready mentally. I just like, couldn't let go of certain habits that just felt like, you know, cause I, I would wake up and I wouldn't be hungry. So it was really hard for me to motivate myself to eat anything. So, and then, um, I went to go to, uh, got an uh, endocrinologist and had like, a diagnosis. She actually diagnosed diagnosed me with PCOS. And I was like, no, I don't have PCOS. I have HA. And she's like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. And she gave me the Provera challenge and I didn't bleed. And I was really frustrated because I kind of, at that point thought like, if I just eat normally, it'll be enough. Like I was like, I don't need to eat more than 2000 calories. I don't need to do that. That doesn't apply to me. Like I just, cause I didn't have the appetite for it. You know, I'd heard people talk about extreme hunger. I never got extreme hunger. So it was hard for me to continually force feed myself when mm-hmm. I didn't feel hungry. Um, 
And then in the beginning of 2021, I was like, I'm not from now on. I'm not, even if I wake up in the morning and I'm not going to eat breakfast, I'm not allowed to go outside. I'm not allowed to work out. So I kind of like decided to do that. You set a new rule and you standard yeah, for yourself. A, this is the new yeah, standard. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and then I started to allow myself to have snacks more frequently. And then that kind of went, so from January, 2021, and then throughout the rest of the year, I was just incrementally like just allowing myself to eat more and then having a few days where I would track my calories just to make sure I was eating enough. And I often wasn't. So I was, that kind of gave me like, okay, I need to eat more. Um, and I remember even when like, oh, like in, in March, 2021, I, I decided I'm going to track my food and make sure I'm eating 2,500 calories a day. And I did that for a month. And after a month I gained like more weight than I was comfortable with. And I, so I was like, oh, I'm going to stop now. I, I, I thought that's enough. So then I stopped, but I didn't actually go back to restricting, you know, I was still like, now I'm just going to maintain this weight and maintain it. So I kind of just kept on gaining a little bit more weight, freaking out a little bit. And then just like backing off, but not going back, like not running away from it, but just like maintain, maintain, maintain. Um, and then in the, in August of 2021, uh, my husband and I, we got married and we decided to go to Finland for my honeymoon. Finland's actually where I'm from originally. My mom, my mother's from there. My mother's family lives there. We went to our honeymoon for three weeks in Finland. And that was honestly like the most healing vacation of my entire life because I went there and I was like totally free around food. My grandmother hadn't seen me eat that way for years. I was accepting of everything she gave me. We were eating all the time. All the foods I eaten as a child was so healing and having her serve me and just being like, yes, I'm going to eat it. Like she's just so happy to see me glowing and thriving and just healthy. And just like, I have never felt so light and free and just like full of life. And I just felt so happy. And I just, on that trip, I was just like, I don't even care if my period comes back. I love my body the way that it is now. I accept myself and, um, like I would never go back. This is freedom. This is life. This is me living fully. And I just like, that feeling of that weight of like the mindset of like, I accept myself exactly whatever my body wants to do. I'm not going to control anymore. I'm going to step back and say, I'm going to eat and listen to my body and it will guide me again, kind of like, but having to do it more forcibly this time, because there was no God with me anymore. <laughs> it was kind of just like, I'm going to allow my body to just, and I, and also at the time in that summer, I was actually watching a lot of old videotapes, uh, home videos my dad had made of my mother when she was pregnant. And that was so healing too, because seeing her healthy and glowing, and yes, she was a little bit heavier, but when she was pregnant, but I was just like, that is what I need to be. That is what a fertile body is. And seeing her and her body types very similar to mine and being like, yes, like I want to be that weight. I want to be healthy um, and have children one day. And to be with my husband, just be like so full of love for him and wanting to just be enough for him and just be, yeah, to just be the partner he deserved made me really uh, motivated me even more. Um, so we got back from our trip in um, the end of beginning of September. And a week later, I was, um, it was the evening and I suddenly was like lying there and I felt this like pain in my ovary. And I was like, oh, God, that feels really weird. <laughs> and it was like, kind of feels like, I don't know, like a tugging kind of feeling in there. And I was like, I don't know if that feels like, right. Like, am I constipated? Or like, is, is, it, is it gas? I don't know, but it was like not going away. It was there for like three or four, four hours. 
Um, and then the next morning I woke up and I put my shirt on and the feeling of my shirt against my breast was just like so painful. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what is this feeling? And my breast had grown like three sizes. It felt, it felt like overnight. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> and then I decided to start tracking my temperatures because I had been doing that a little bit earlier in the year, but it was so discouraging because it wasn't very good. I was not ovulating. So I was like, I'm going to stop. So I did it, started to track my temperatures and I noticed, oh my God, my temperature just spiked. Like, I think I ovulated and I was Yay. like, oh my God. So I started taking my temperature I'm every day it. and I'm I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to have my period. And my husband was like, I don't know, don't get too excited. Like you don't want to, you know, get too excited to have it not happen. And then like, I was just, I was like, I'm, it's going to happen. I know it. I can feel it's happening. And then I woke up one morning and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. there's blood. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, 10 years and my body works. Like it's functioning again. Like it just felt so amazing. I had no period cramps at all. I felt amazingly good. I was just so happy. And I actually even had the foresight to go out and buy a diva cup, like the, the weekend before my period started. So it was like, yeah. I just felt so you in just... tune with myself that I knew that it was going to come. So yeah, so that was on, that was a month ago that I got my first period. So yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I love the way how you just described that part because there's no better feeling when you've gone from this whole distrust of, I can't trust my hunger cues. I'm not deserving of love. I need to always be in this just busy state. And then throughout the HA journey, have your ups, your downs and your sideways moments. And all of a sudden you get to a spot where whether and sometimes it happens after the first period sometimes it's before like you got those symptoms first and you're like well there's a hormonal shift like something's happening here but as soon as you start to go oh my gosh my body's doing it my body's doing it like it's happening oh my gosh it's happening because over time you know not having a period you can sort of create the belief that you're broken or damaged or like Mm -hmm. my body's just not made for this and Mm -hmm. you know that that's one of the things that creeps in as with our eating disorder habits or our addictions to exercise you know, that just that whole bubble of things that sort of comes together is this belief of my body just can't do it. Like it's just broken. I'm just not like anyone else. And I wasn't meant to be like anyone else. And then suddenly you get these symptoms and the ignite, the ignition of faith in your own body is so powerful, Um, Mm -hmm. which is bizarre because, you know, as before all these things happen, we just trust our body. Like I'm hungry when I'm hungry. I'll get my period when I get my period. And it's such an effortless thing that you don't really think about because you don't know any different. But when you've had that loss and then you find it again, I guess that's the blessing in disguise is that uh-huh. while the journey's a tough one and I you know, wouldn't encourage it for anyone, the, uh-huh. the other side of it is the appreciation you have for your body and life like even how you said you were um living with your family and they were like feeding you and your grandma was serving food and it was just joyous there was such celebration and love and happiness and all these just wonderful wonderful things and it's like you know this is living this is what it's like to have a nourished body and you know a nourished soul like it's not and I, I like the spiritual links that you've brought in because when you can have that freedom around food like, yes, the beer is so important, but when you find that freedom in life, like I can just make decisions based on what I need, what I want, what makes me happy rather yeah. than living to a life of expectation or standards or um, 
anything that's sort of just blocking and limiting to just this abundant, free, easy life, you just appreciate it so much because you can look back and go, wow, I used to literally live in like a caged box. And don't get me wrong, there was there was joy there. Like you still, like you would have met your partner in that time. I met my partner in that time. There were yeah. still happy birthdays, and you know, but the the oh, the level of energy that comes when you just find comfort and trust in yourself is like fireworks. It is absolutely. It's yeah, just, it's a uh, yeah. It just it just feels like. I could never, I would never want to go back, you know, in 2019, when I first tried, I just had, I was mourning my old way of life, but now it's like, this is my way of life and I love it. And I would never, ever, ever go back. Like I just so confident in my recovery at the moment. It just doesn't feel like I would ever, I just know too much at this point. And I just have feel too just in acceptance and love and just for, for my, for my body and for this the way I'm supposed to be. It just feels like this is the weight my body wants to be. And I should say that, remember when I said in 2019 that I had like looked at my healthy BMI, I just out of curiosity, the day I got my period, I weighed exactly 138 pounds, oh, which is what my healthy BMI was. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> which I was just like, okay, that's amazing. Because like I had weighed myself for top. like so long. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh, so it's so cool that that would just be, you know, I, cause I set myself that goal. Like I'm going to yeah. get my period back. I'm going to gain 30 pounds and so yeah, it was incredible. I would just never change it for a second. You know, like last weekend we went, um, my husband and I went like on a trip, like a day trip, just like completely out of the blue. And we decided to just like walking down the street, like let's get some ice cream and walking down the street, eating some ice cream that I just ate completely just like, just without a thought. And I was eating it with him and I was like, isn't it crazy that I'm just like here walking down the street, eating ice cream. Whereas before it was like all these rules. Like I had to like have worked out first or I had to like, or I could never stand and eat because eating was just this whole thing where I was like, had to be this really special moment. I was like, I just, it's just ice cream. I was walking down the street and I'm just like, this is It's just yum. And this is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Like my life has just changed so much. So, and I would never, I'm, I'm thankful in a way for the experience because it's really transformed and gotten me to know myself on such a deep level and just like if I do or when I am able to have children because I want to have children one day the love I will have for them just to know the amount of work I had to do to get them like it's just going to be like the appreciation is just going to be on a whole other level it just feels amazing yeah yeah absolutely and you know it's that that freedom that actually allows you to enjoy life so much. Like, as you said, the spontaneous side of things, it just popped into my head as you said it. And honestly, I haven't thought about it in goodness knows how long, but I remember um, like early days of dating my now husband. Um, Actually, no, maybe somewhere in the middle. He knew that random plans made me incredibly uneasy because Mm -hmm. if it was a last minute dinner decision or drinks or anything like that, not that, you know, we've always been the couple that might drink a handful of times a year because when I was bodybuilding, so was he. So it was very like we were both sort of diet training, all that sort of thing. But he knew that if he was going to suggest something to do at random, that highly likely I literally needed to be told what to wear and left in silence and like I'll return to surface. 
And there was, <laughs> there was actually one experience where we were driving back from like Dramana, which is a beach outside of Melbourne. And um, someone called up saying, hey, we've just randomly decided to get together. It's at the pub, like 20 minutes from our house. Um, just head down here. And he's like, oh, look, we're heading back from Dramana. We're a couple of hours away. Um, but yeah, like it, it sounds cool. Let's do it. And I remember him like within an instant, we're just driving in the car and I'm all relaxed. And I just felt my shoulders go like, <gasps> like, oh my God, we're meant to go home and just eat dinner and go to bed. And, and part of me was like, that sounds fun. Cause it's a group of people we really like. We haven't gone out in a really long time. Like there was those parts that were great. And I remember him being like, well, we'll stop off at the shops and just grab like a little bite to eat now. Cause it's going to be too late by the time we get there to eat. And I was just like, mm-hmm. Like I literally couldn't even say words. I was just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to him, like, I'm happy to go, but I just, I need time to process. I can't talk about this right now. And dare I say, it was like an hour long drive home in pretty much silence because oh I God, just, yeah. it was literally like I was short circuiting. I was like, and I looked and I would look at him and be like, I, I don't know what to wear. He goes, oh, those jeans and whatever top looks really nice. Just put that on. And I'd, okay all right and then something else will pop up like how are we going to get a a cabin or and like really simple choices like it literally should have just been like oh we're going out cool let's grab some food we'll grab some drinks we'll get a cab wear the jeans like it wasn't this high trendy 21st birthday or a wedding it was literally just a pub like simple plain Jane (laughs) no effort required and um yeah and I just remember how uncomfortable I was for an hour just doing that and then even in the cab on the way there he's like you're right I'm like yep yep and he just waited it out because he knew my personality and he knew I'd be fine obviously we got there started talking had a glass of wine and I could slowly just settle into the fact that oh like this is nice I, I like these people it's a it's a nice looking pub and we ended up having like a really enjoyable night like so much fun. And I woke up the next day being like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we went. Like that was so much fun. And totally. I looked at my husband, I was like, thank you for just waiting that out. Because if you had have seen how uncomfortable I was and just went, oh, put, like she's struggling, let's just abandon ship. Like both of us would have missed out on a really fun night, which isn't yeah. fair on him either. But I look back to that and be like, wow, like I was just so in a bubble. But if he... Mm-hmm. If we flip the switch now and given Kasima had a babysitter, he turned around and said, hey, so-and-so's at the pub. Do you want to go have something to eat? We'll have a drink. Um, I would so easily go, oh, cool. Like, let's let's go. Like yeah. no hour of anxiety and panic and it would just be like effortless. So yeah. easy to just switch into social mode. And it's funny how in the moment, we don't recognize how easy those decisions can be if we want them to be. And we practice because it takes practice by the time we've had these sort of behaviors for so long, you do need to practice. Um, but just the, the two perspectives, when you look back to all of the processes and emotions that you went through for something that could have been as simple as let's just go. Like, yeah. Um, it, it, it is a whole yeah. new world like it is such a new world and I think that's where that liberation feeling comes because mm-hmm. it's the idea that there's not 30 thoughts attached to one decision it's just a yes mm-hmm. or a no and even with food once you've broken through those fear foods and things like that food is literally just like 
yeah, it sounds delicious or no, I'm not really feeling that today. It's not like, but what are the calories and how's it going to affect my body? And who's going to think what about me? And what am I going to think about myself? It's just literally like enjoyment based. It is. Yeah. That's what life's supposed to be like. You know, it's like, it's we, we put ourselves in these little boxes and we just, we shrink our bodies and we shrink our lives and our lives just become this, like the smaller version of yourself and everything just shrinks with you. And when you just really accept your body and embrace life as it comes, it's just so, it's just, that's just, yeah, it's, it's really what life is all about. And it, it just feels, I feel so, feel so such remorse for how many years I wasted doing what I was doing and just locked in my own cage of my mind. And it just feels amazing to break out of that. And, you know, I still have, um, a few friends actually, like one of my best friends, she still has H. She actually has HA and she's a few years older than me. And she's been struggling with her eating disorder for years and years and years. And honestly, seeing her the way that she is, she's 38 now. And she's, she says she wants to recover. She wants to get her period back, but she just, she can't break out of that. It just like, it's just so motivating to know to, it, not, and it's sad. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I like to see her like that, but it just, it reminds me of always of what my life could end up being. If I continued on the path that I was on, yeah. I would be, you know, 40 years old, look back and say, I wasted so much time. So if anyone's listening, who is like, even, you know, my age or younger, it's like, don't waste your life. Like you don't want to look back when you're six years old and say like, well, wasn't it great that I could fit into a size zero jeans? Like, no, you're not going to care about that. You're going to care about the experience you've had, the experiences you had, the, like the, the, the lessons you learned, the moments of like really just being present in your body and not having all these thoughts and rules and structures. Like that's not, although it feels like it's protecting you at the, at, like at, at the moment, it's really not, it's, it's enslaving you. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's shrinking your life and your potential and you have to break out of that and and it's hard at first, but once you get there, you just look back and say, oh, I can breathe. I can live. I can accept my body at the weight it was supposed to be like a healthy body and a healthy weight will allow me to live the life that, that, that like, it's Fun. like, rather than looking at your, yeah. And then rather than looking at like your body as this like thing that's supposed to look a certain way, it's like your body is the, is just a vessel for you to live in and to experience things. And, and I have to say too, that throughout this entire process of gaining weight, nobody has said anything to me about like, oh, you let yourself go or you gained, you gained weight or why'd you gain weight? Like no one has said anything to me. And all the fears I had about what people would think if I gained weight, none of that has happened. No one has said anything. No one's even noticed. Like people aren't looking at you and thinking, oh, she's gaining weight. Like, no, nobody cares. Like, yeah, stop. <laughs> it's like, stop being so self-centered in a way. Like you're not the center of the world. No one cares if you're lean or not. Like, it's just shocking to me that I was so concerned about what other people would think of me if I gained weight and then I gained the weight and no one even says anything. <laughs> like It's like nothing. It's like, you know, that, that does blow my mind though. Cause I remember one of my best friends and I had her on the podcast, like super, super early days. I think the podcast was like perspective, best friends perspective on HA because I remember at one point in time, her saying to me, like, you look the exact same. And my jaw dropped to the floor because she said it very honestly. Like I, I believe her as she said it, but in my mind, I'm like, are you kidding? I'm an elephant. Like, have you not noticed? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The thing is like the the emotions are real. The feelings are real. Like it's, you're not Mm -hmm. making it up. That is how you feel. But sometimes 
it's good to have someone comment and say like you look the same because it gets you in check and and makes you especially when it happens so honestly and openly like she said it without prompt it was very much what are you worried about you look the same like I I think I might have said maybe I'm uncomfortable in jeans I don't know but it it just it just flowed out and I was just shocked. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I just don't understand. How can you not tell? Like, I've gained 10 kilos or um, or like, I just, I feel so heavy. And, uh-huh. and she literally dropped that sentence and kept waffling on with whatever. And it stumped me for, for days because yeah. I, I just couldn't understand how she couldn't see the difference. And then over time I started to observe, rather than me assuming people were judging, I just started observing other people observing me. And I mean, in the way that we can tell when someone's judging us, like they'll look us up and down from head to toe or, you know, they'll wiggle their head from side to side, or they might say something a little bit sly. Like we can tell when we're being judged. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know, I'm just going to see if anyone actually does look me up because look me up and down or does any sort of body language that implies I see change in you. And honestly, no one ever gave me a look as in to be like, I can, I can see the difference. And these are, even when I saw people time apart, like months and months, who honestly, if, any, if it was going to stand out to anyone, it should be someone you haven't seen in a long time. Right, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just the way it is because other people have watched you grow and other people haven't seen you since you were teeny tiny. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and I'm sure they would have recognized it because when you've had that big of a timeline, like it's just an observation, like that's the reality. We observe things, but I can honestly say I never come across someone who gave me the look of like, yeah, I, I see what you've done here. Like never once. And I actually found that tool quite empowering to just observe. And it wasn't in a, like in a vain manner either. It was just purely like, no, pay attention to what they're paying attention to. Like, is it what you think it is? And it it wasn't. Like every time it wasn't, they would either be looking literally perfect eye contact or they were distracted and talking to me and looking somewhere else or they were eating their food. Like it was never this judgmental glare that I had created. Um, And, you know, potentially for anyone listening, like try the exercise because it is incredible to witness the lack of judgment that's literally like not present. Like it's just not there. And yet we think it's yeah. happening all the time, every time we see someone. And mm-hmm. sometimes that can help with the weight gain side of things because we're so conscious of disappointing people or people thinking we let ourselves go when realistically, like this is the hardest goal we've ever had. Like, Absolutely. You know what? Yeah. I'll take weight loss over HA recovery in a heartbeat. That is like HA recovery is hard. And if you're thinking about your HA recovery as a weakness because you're not training as much and you're eating like quote unquote normal person, like honey, you are seriously battling. But that is, it's tough what you're doing and give yourself a pat on the back for it. Like this is so far from laziness or giving up on yourself. You're actually caring for yourself more than you probably ever have in your life. And like being more that, disciplined than you ever have in your life. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And just recognize how much effort is going into the new goal. Because that's mm-hmm. what it is, isn't it? It's a new goal. Your goal is to get a period. And so many women feel guilty about not exercising and eating more. And it's like, but that's because 
you're attaching your new behaviors to an old goal. Mm -hmm. Like your old goal is to lose weight or maintain weight or run a marathon or whatever it is. So of course they're not going to talk to each other because they're so separate. They're not the right processes for those goals. Your goal now is to get your period back. So if you are resting and you are eating more, that's the program. Like you're nailing it. Like try not even try not to don't attach your new like your old behaviors to new goals and vice versa because you're always going to feel like you're failing address what you need to do in order to achieve this goal and give yourself a pat on the back every time you do it yeah totally yeah Um, yeah definitely (laughs) we kind of just grinning it it's like if you're listening to the audio and not watching the youtube we just sort of like grinned at each other like i know right And I think that's what I love about speaking to so many women is that it really is like when you know, you know, it's like you can look back and go, oh, well, I was a little bit crazy or wild or uptight to say the least. But, you Uh know, once you break through, like once you've broken through, you're there. Like you can see everything properly with like clear vision. Um, And, yeah, I just... Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your journey because there were so many really powerful and important elements that you brought to light. And I'm sure so many women listening are going to resonate on so many levels, whether it be what was fueling your eating disorder or that near-death experience or just, you know, finding comfort in, in food and family and just literally coming back to life, like, Your body Mm -hmm. is your vessel to enjoy this incredible, precious, beautiful life. Um, It was just, it was such a beautiful chat. Um, Now, you are a very talented, skillful woman. So not only are you an acupuncturist in Texas, yes, Mm -hmm. um, but you also do herbal consultations and astrology reading. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, in the whole process of trying to understand my psychology around my eating disorder. Um, I discovered astrology. Actually, I have been interested in astrology for like a lot of many years of my life, but um, kind of like trying to look at my psychology from an outside perspective and see like what is triggering this in me. And um, astrology can just really help you understand yourself from like an outside perspective. So I started to study astrology in uh, 2015 and it really fueled my understanding of other people in my life and myself, and also understanding that, that, that there are certain phases in your, in your life and certain periods that certain, certain things are emphasized. And in a way you can actually like just understand your past and the future and see yourself from a really like um, higher vantage point and see your life as this unfolding and the experiences that you're having being influenced by all these different um, patterns, I guess. So yeah, astrology is something that like I really did it as a hobby for a long time and to understand myself and people around me. And I was always obsessed with asking someone when their birthday was and looking at their chart and understanding them from this higher perspective and um, giving them a different lens to what, um, to, to look at where they were in a certain period in their life. Cause when you're struggling, it's really hard to like, to break out of like, why is this happening to me? And to really see what is influencing it and what stage you're in has always really helped me kind of be like, okay, I'm here now. I was here. I'm going here. It's just helped me psychologically and mentally and spiritually to really accept my traits and my personality and um, 
to kind of like see where my highest talents lie and understand my weaknesses and my strengths, which your astrology chart really shows you those things. Um, especially like there's certain house placements that show you if you're more likely to suffer from things like addictions or eating disorders and stuff like that. So when I started to understand that, like, this is just an inherent part of my personality, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I'm not flawed in some way. This is just some experience that's being offered to me by the universe to really experience life on a certain level. And the, the, like the, the chart you're given is kind of like your life and the experiences you're going to have manifested through that chart. And it just helps me so much to, 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 uh, to recognize the, 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 those smaller parts of myself. Um, so I do use astrology charts often. Um, I do astrology consultations. Um, and I also look at charts a lot with some of my clients to see where they are and what stage they're in or what certain pattern is being um, um, like manifested at that period to see like, okay, what is, where are you stuck and how can you break out of this? Um, especially with like, I see a lot of clients now for fertility or they just uh, suffering through like pain or um, just any kind of block and seeing your astrology chart and understanding like the, the aspects that are influencing that could help you really see it from a higher vantage point is essentially is how, um, what I use it for. So yeah, it's kind of like a, and it's not, not really like my main career path is astrology, but it's really a huge hobby of mine and a passion of mine. So yeah, I do do astrology um, readings for people, but my work is mostly focused on health and acupuncture um, and seeing clients in Austin. So if anyone's in Austin and wants an acupuncture treatment, um, you can definitely contact me for that. Yes. And I will leave the links for you in the show notes. Um, but I actually had a chart done by you. Gosh, was it a few months ago? I feel like it would have yeah. went before you went away, maybe. Yeah, it was like and, in June or something. Yeah. Yeah. Was it that long ago? Oh, my goodness. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I was just mind blown by it. So it's the first time I've had an astrology chart done. Now I'm incredibly into energy healing and Reiki and meditation and all those sorts of things. And I've dabbed my toe into the astrology world, but I find it's one of those things where I just don't know where to start because there's so much information out there. And it's like, I want to yeah, learn, uh, but I don't know how to learn and I don't know what to read or, you know what I mean? Like connecting all the dots. And, um, and when I had that chart done, it was, it was incredible how specific it was. And it, as I said, it's the first time I've had, ever had anything like that done before. And um, it was so bizarre in the way that I also felt the, the way that it panned out, I could really link in my HA and eating disorder experiences to those, is it houses that you said? Yeah. Um, and in a weird way, it kind of felt validating. It's like, yeah. oh, I went through that life path because I was meant to. And don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. I, I definitely feel like I was meant to go through this whole journey and it has led me here and it'll continue to lead me into other things. Um, but I just remember when I read the chart more than anything, I was, I don't know, it just felt like closing of, of a chapter sort of thing. It's like, no, you're meant to be in this stage because now you're in this stage and look what's going to open up for you. Um, so not only did it feel just like closing off of a chapter and validating, but it was also exciting to see like, yeah, but this is, this is the next level and this is where you can go further on. And yeah, like there were so many elements to it and then it, it was exciting and it was just so insightful. And um, I guess what I'm linking into is astrology can be one of those things where we go, oh, it's just in the magazine and it's a star sign. Um, but Anina is incredibly knowledgeable and wise. And I was absolutely mind blown 
by the chart you provided me with. It was incredible. And I still look back on it and read it now. Um, so if anyone is interested in that, please hit Anina up because yeah, it's so cool. Like it really, it can be really healing to understand yourself and to, yeah, to get that sense of validation and know that like, yes, certain things are going to be faded in your life, but you have this kind of like to see it from a higher vantage point allows you to kind of like have more freedom in the way that you go about these experiences that are being offered to you and to really see um, even things that seem like challenges as real opportunities for growth and that, that the lessons that you learn through those experiences are really leading you to a higher place. I think that's just like a huge, um, yeah, positive point to, to make. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, I will put your details in the show notes if anyone wants to reach out and connect with you either on, on a personal level, just to talk about journeys. So I'll leave your Instagram handle and you've got a website as well, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll put the website in there as well. Um, and then everyone can reach out to you for, you know, a multitude of reasons. Um, but yeah, I just thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything and being so transparent about your journey and just sharing such a, a wonderful insight into, into your journey. Um, it was just a powerful conversation. I'm so grateful to you for spending the time to join us today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's really, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And I feel like it's been healing to be able to share something when I've always been so private about my life. You know, most people don't know about my eating disorder. So kind of my first time sharing it and it's felt, it's felt, it's felt really um, healing to just be able to come out and say something with confidence that I don't feel ashamed about what I went through. It was really an important part of my process and I've come outside the other way and anyone who's hearing the story can know that like where you are, is not the final destination. You know, the experiences you're having at the moment are leading you to a higher place and just accept it and embrace your journey wherever you are, however slowly you do it, however fast you do it, like it's teaching you something really important about your life and yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, what? I'm so proud of you for taking that step to open up and share your journey because, you know, it's, it's huge, especially when you've had those feelings of shame attached for such a long time to just be like, no, this is part of the process. This is part of my life path. And, you know, it happened for me, not to me. And now as a result of your openness, like you're going to help so many other women going through similar experiences. So yeah, claps to you, like on so many levels. Thank you, Jade. Well, sweet lady, I will definitely be speaking to you soon and bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much for listening in on today's episode. I hope you loved it. And as always, I have left our guest contact details in the show notes, as well as my own and some links to some free downloads. Um, if you could share this episode or the podcast with someone else who you think would love it, that would be amazing. And in the meantime, I hope you have a fabulous week and I look forward to you tuning into the next episode.